Hi, this is your co-host Meryl. On today's episode, we're excited to be speaking with Shannon Hartwig, the founder and executive director of the West Coast Kids Cancer Foundation, based in beautiful Burnaby, British Columbia. The organization's mission is to provide support for families experiencing childhood cancer and blood disorders through programming and community support. And this is your co-host Kathleen. Shannon's passion for challenging the status quo and making an impact is evident in her organization's work. Her and her team ensures families dealing with childhood cancer in BC are supported and heard. Listen to her inspiring story that took her from East to West and how she continues to fulfill her life's calling. With the podcast, we're obviously looking to understand people's why and how they came about to, you know, to where they are now in this stage of their lives and also the, the projects and the organizations they're a part of. So can you take us through from the very beginning um, what were you doing before the foundation? Yes. So right before the foundation, I was working for the Canadian Cancer Society, which is a national charity. And I was running a program called Camp Good Times, which is a program for children with cancer. And it, it's mostly a summer camp program. So kids would come and have a summer camp experience. And I was also pregnant which I mean, it was just like an interesting transition in my life. And people often had said to me like, oh, when you, um, after you have a kid, you're gonna want to sort of like check in, check out. And um, interesting for me, that was exactly the opposite. The exact thing that I didn't wanna do was to leave my kid in order to check in and check out. It was so important to me to be doing something that was really, really worth my time. And so to me, the idea of like going to a job that was maybe not as challenging, was not for me. Like I wanted to do something that was like so fulsome and felt like it was exactly where I needed to be. So that's where I was at. I had worked previously with youth at risk and a bunch of other various populations. And then I came into this space where I was working with children with cancer and their families. And I, um, I just felt like it was such a tender and unique space to be. And I fully fell in love with being able to support that community. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So what inspired you to start your foundation? So when we get asked that question, I always say it's, it was never me. It was always we. So there was a whole group of people who had been involved with the childhood cancer community and who had obviously um, spent some time getting to know the needs of that community. And it was sort of a moment where we were like, either we do or we don't. And people often ask us like, why did you decide to start a charity for children with cancer when you didn't have cancer as a child or your child doesn't have cancer? Mm -hmm. And our response to people often is, why should they have to? Mm -hmm. Why should the people who have also been through the worst possible thing imaginable also have to go through all of the rigmarole of starting a nonprofit? And a lot of us read this book called Getting to Maybe. And it's an incredible book about uh, social innovation and social change. And they talk about in that book, uh, almost like a, almost like something that is greater than yourself. And you either say yes, or you say no. And we all decided to say like, what would be possible if we started this thing? 
And so myself and the co-founder who is now our board chair, Colin Worth, who's retired our CMP officer, were really the two that got it going on paper and in practice. But there's a whole group of people who came around us and said, yes, let's see what happens if we put some time and effort into this over the next few years. And that's really how it got going. It was it was one charitable status application. It was one fundraiser. It was helping one family. And then it has completely snowballed from there. Wow. That's amazing that, you know, you started from the very beginning and managed to help so many families. Um, can you tell us some of the roadblocks or challenges that you maybe encountered in the beginning um, of starting the foundation? And, and how did you, you know, obviously move beyond that and succeed beyond that point? Yeah. It's, it was, it was such a one step at a time kind of process. I mean, not that it's hard to imagine now we are all working off of our kitchen tables now, but when we started it, we were at our kitchen tables. It was an enormous feat to try to think about how we are going to get money. How are donors going to give money to us? How do we reach families? What do families really need? And so the entire foundation is based on asking questions. And we have really worked to not shy away from asking questions, even receiving feedback that might feel harsh, but that will make us better. So roadblocks, I mean, we had this grandiose vision and I say we still do where we wanted to develop this whole beautiful wilderness retreat center that will be year round. And that was our original focus. And we had to be humble enough uh, about six, eight months in to say like, this is going to take way longer than we anticipated. And let's turn around and ask the families, what do you need? How can we help you right now? And the first request was the simplest request. It was, they needed coffee and laundry detergent for the parents to drink coffee and do laundry when they were at the children's hospital. So it's the first check we wrote was to get some coffee and some laundry detergent. And then we just kept asking families, what's next? What do you need? And so from there, we learned that while the overnight camp that Camp Good Times runs is amazing and beautiful, there's some families and cultures who are never going to send their kids away to an overnight camp because it's not within the fabric of their family. And so then we started working with Surrey School Board and we created a day camp for kids who would never go to overnight camp. We just kept asking questions and saying, what's next? And the doors kept opening and people kept showing up with money and ideas and resources. Wow. Shannon, you, you and your team have made such an immense impact on families and caregivers who are going through this and ensuring that they feel supported and heard. Was there a time in your journey where you felt supported and heard? What was this experience like and did it inspire you to continue to do the work that you do? Yeah. I mean, every time there's a few things, every time someone calls me or emails me and is like, I found you on Google and I want to give you a donation. We're like still to this day, someone did it last week and I was like, but how and why? And wow, we really exist. So that's one way that we feel heard. Like we're like, oh, we're out there. People are learning about us. People are seeing what we're doing and people are saying like, yeah, this is really important. The other thing I would say is more personal. And I talk about this with our team all the time. I am a huge proponent of people who are working in this space of helping and caregiving and creating to seek their own ways of having support. And for me, that's therapy. And I talked with my team about this all the time. I'm a huge, if you are giving out, you need to be filled up. Mm -hmm. And so I have I've had a few amazing therapists right now. I'm also doing personal training, which is like, I never really connected it until a few months ago where I was like, I just need that hour a week. That's about me. 
And so it's sometimes it's counterintuitive, especially in nonprofit, because we're always so like hustle and give and you're pouring out. But we need to be supported ourselves in order to continue to do the work that we're doing. And sometimes it's hard to get ourselves to that point. But for me, I'm in my late 30s. I'm like, there's no time to do anything but make sure we have the resources we need to sustain our own well-being. That's great. I mean, I think it speaks to what we all, you know, what's prevalent in the media today with mental health and self-care. Um, and was that something that you kind of discovered a little bit later in your career journey, or was it something that you integrated earlier on? Um, and how do you think you're able to better show up to people because you've done that for yourself? Yeah. I, you know, I started in my early, early career, like 23, 24, one of my first jobs was working in um, youth justice. So I actually worked in um, like a corrections facility for teenage boys. And um, there was, there was nothing. I mean, it was also like early 2000s, but it was nothing that, that didn't exist. I mean, that wasn't like a thing that people talked about was like taking care of yourself. And then I also worked in wilderness therapy and had a few like fairly traumatic events. And I would say like now having done the work had vicarious trauma through my own, through my own experiences in a position where I was in a helping space, but maybe wasn't supported in a way that I could have been. And so I would say that I, I started to seek it on, seek it out uh, years ago, but it's taken a long time to allow myself to learn how to let stories say like flow through me as opposed to holding on to the things that we see and we hear. And I think that that is just so essential. And it's something that we talk about with our team all the time. Like it, it, you have to, I actually don't think there's any other way, you know, even speaking with my therapist, therapists need, need to, people who are in this profession need to have a way in order to be fulfilled or else you won't be able to last. You it won't be able to sustain it. Right. Yes, I think that's so important to be able to, you know, fill your own cup before you help others and make sure that you also take care of yourself. So Shannon, can you talk about the day-to-day experience working at the foundation? You know, you're interacting with so many different families and children and caregivers. Um, What kind of support and what kind of resources does the foundation provide? I'm specifically to families, like the programs. Yes. Yeah. So right now we're focusing on a three, a few key areas. So the first one is connection. We want families and kids to feel connected to a larger community when they're going through something as difficult as a childhood cancer diagnosis. And the thing we hear the most from caregivers is they feel alone. Mm. So we have a few programs since COVID, we've done an online program which connects children who have a cancer diagnosis or blood disorder diagnosis or their siblings, which is super important because the whole family sees an impact to other kids online or to one caring volunteer. So it kind of operates like a big brothers, big sisters program, but we've seen such beautiful connections made with kids and other kids or kids and, and they're sort of like they're big grown up. And sometimes you see kids flow through different stages of a cancer diagnosis and in some parts they're okay and they're playing online and then they have to go back to the hospital. But it's been an amazing journey to see these kids continue to connect with their people. So they're not alone even when they're in the hospital. So obviously this program was precipitated as a result of COVID. But what we've heard doctors and parents say to us is even when the rest of the world goes back to quote unquote normal and in-person, 
our kids who are in for bone marrow transplants or are in for their intensive chemo protocol, they need to continue to be able to connect with people who care about them and understand what they're going through online. So this is a program that will carry through for us even way beyond COVID. Uh, we'll also run, continue to run in-person programs for our kids. So that day camp that I mentioned, and we do that in collaboration with Surrey schools. So we have a group of grade 11 and 12 students who then become our volunteers. We train them to do fun, engaging activities with the younger kids. And then we use a school in order to facilitate that program. So that's sort of our connection base. The next one is food, which has been an incredibly impactful for us and for our families because it's, it's just such practical support. So right now, in, we do it in two ways. One, we deliver meals to Children's Hospital every single Tuesday. And those personal size meals are for parents who are sitting beside their kids while they're in, in treatment or in the hospital. So you can imagine having a young child in a hospital room. It's very difficult for a parent to detach and go to the grocery store or go to even Starbucks. And what we're hearing from parents is they were eating peanut butter crackers in their rooms. Like that's how parents were surviving. And so we deliver meals and put them in the freezer every week and parents can take them at no cost and just help themselves. And then we're also delivering full boxes of family-sized meals to families all over British Columbia um, to make sure the family that's at home and often struggling, a parent might be struggling with still trying to work and other kids and juggling bills and all the adult things while having a family that's divided. Then we're sending food into that family as well so that they can just have a little bit of nourishment and a little bit of support in that way. And the last one is mental health is like we were just talking about. We need people to feel less alone and less isolated in this really challenging time. So it's been a really amazing investment from Nicola Wealth Management Foundation to give us some money to research and design a program, which we're working on right now. And that one will be all about caregivers, moms and dads, like we just talked about, to give them an opportunity to put their own mask on first before they then can put their kids on. Wow, that, that's amazing. Um, you know, you obviously shared the programs and I think what is resonating with me as you know, someone who's listening and, and as someone who's also um, experienced cancer with you know, a young child is that all of the programs that you have are so practical. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for a lot of you know, nonprofits, we're obviously trying to solve a lot of greater causes, but all of the things that you mentioned are those that impact and can, can just brighten someone's day. I can't imagine what it would be to you know, receive food or to, to feel okay that there's gonna be you know, something available for me at the hospital. Can you share some of your success stories with some of the you know, patients that have been through your program and maybe some of the parents as well and, and, and mm-hmm. share a little bit about that? Yeah, I think you really highlighted it. The messages that we get that are the most impactful for us are we felt completely alone. You know, a parent might be tearful that they get a box of food um, and they just say to us, like, this is just that moment, that glimmer of hope that we needed to be able to get through this. Um, and I think what we also are continue to do, especially with our mental health program, is connect parents to parents so they just don't feel alone. You know, we had a few focus groups around our mental health programming. And there was moms on there who had been in this journey for a year and a half, two years, and they had not yet met another mom and sat down and talked to another mom who had also had a kid with cancer. And just being able to provide people that little glimmer of, oh, somebody else knows what I'm going through 
right. is significant. The other thing for us is we, like we said, we try so hard to listen. And when parents come back and caregivers come back and do a few things, like they volunteer and then they, or they like share a donor with us and say, you know, this is the organization you should be giving to. That's when we know that we've done something right. When people call us and say, oh, my family friend has a kid in cancer. I asked them how I could help. And they said to give to your organization because you've helped them more than anybody else wow. in the last few years. Wow. So Shannon, you know, you've interacted with so many different families. What have you learned about yourself? You know, working with them day-to-day, uh, -day, working with your team. And what have you learned? What have they taught you? Hmm. Oh my gosh, so much. I mean, I think that when I reflect on the last few years, especially like starting a nonprofit, working with all these incredible families, I just feel like, you know, there's so much to learn, you know, there's so much to learn. And I am, um, I'm edging up to 40. It's my 40th birthday in a few days. And I, I just feel so humbled by how much more there is to learn and how much more there is to do. I, I tend to be a doer. And I think the thing that with, especially with our families and given our commitment to listening, it's, it's really invited me into a space where I have to slow down and I would call way more people than I normally would have in my previous life to make a decision, but it has proven to be worth it every single time to take the time to do extra consultation and to be way overboard in communication with people and say, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? It, it actually has paid out dividends for us to be able to engage a community and wait and listen, even though it takes way longer. And I think that we have seen success and I personally have learned a lot from that type of process as opposed to just going through and getting it done. And what have, thank you for um, sharing that. So, I mean, I, you, you kind of take us back to your earlier journey with you deciding to start something and you, especially when you were pregnant, like, was there a certain level of risk? Like, were you scared to start something? What was driving you? at that time to, to start the foundation and what's driving you now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely a risk. I mean, we were just like, okay, who knows if this is gonna work or not? Are we gonna fall flat? Are we gonna, people are gonna be like, oh no, that's not needed. Or, you know, there's so many question marks. What drove us in the beginning was, um, I'm not like, a, I'm not a math person, but ultimately it came down to, oh, sorry, my AirPod fell out. Um, it came down to math in that we looked at the support that was available in our province of British Columbia and what was available across the whole country. And we could see that there was way more support being offered in larger provinces like Alberta, for example. So Alberta has a really similar size population as BC and the same number of kids are diagnosed, about 130 to 150 a year. What we saw in Alberta was there was two major nonprofits who were focused on childhood cancer in Alberta, and they were raising through donations and then spending about $7.5 million a year on programs, on services, on support for families. And then here in British Columbia, there was a few little organizations, some parent-led, um, and the total that we were spending in this province was $1.2 million. And we started looking at the straight facts. We we're like, this is unbelievable. Like parents don't even know what they don't know that they don't have the support that other provinces have. And that was a huge motivator. 
I think that when I got that confirmation that what we perceived was right, like parents do need way more support than it allows allowed us to really take, take action. And then we started talking to the children's hospital and BC children's hospital is incredible and offers incredible support medically to the families, but they can't do everything. They can't do the food. They can't do the, some of the social emotional stuff and the really practical stuff that we're driving into that space right now. So that was a huge motivator. And I think, again, having worked at the Camp Good Times and having had that experience that was amazing and beautiful and families love summer camp and it was so restorative for them. And as they would pack up their car and put suitcases in their trunk, they would say to me like, what else? What else is available? Okay, our finances are really tricky for us right now. My husband and I, or my wife and I are really in a hard place. This has been a really challenging year for us the sibling of the child who had cancer is not doing well and we wouldn't have much to offer them. And we would send them away and say like, we'll see you next year. And that was something that I couldn't stop thinking about. Like what else do these families need 51 weeks of the year when they have one week that they can go away? So it's all about working in collaboration with the programs that already exist, but that was a huge motivation for all of us in starting this foundation. Wow. And then now, I would say there's so many things that motivate. I mean, we've started all these programs. We hear the stories like I shared with you, but family saying like, this is exactly what I needed to get me through the day. Um, it allows us to look at our growth and how we can continue to work with families all across the province, get more funders, get more supporters on board and really move this thing forward so that eventually we can be the leading nonprofit for families who have a child with cancer in British Columbia, and they'll know us without question. If someone hears that terrible news that their neighbor or their friend or their cousin or someone has a child who's diagnosed with cancer, they can just say, I know a foundation. Here they are, and they're going to hold you. They're going to hold space for you for this time. As terrible as it is, there's going to be some reprieve. Wow. It's amazing to know, you know, how much of an impact you and your team are making and that you know, in itself would be such a motivator and continue to inspire you to do the work that you do. In the beginning, when you first started your foundation, you know, going through the different challenges, how did you deal with feelings of self-doubt or hesitation going forward? How did, was there a certain time or situation, a certain challenge that you faced that you could tell us about? Oh, so many. I mean, sending that first email out to everyone saying like, will you give us money? <laughs> like, I were just like sitting there at my computer being like, here we go. I, who knows what's going to happen? And the first push, we got $10,000 and we were like, okay, oh my goodness, we can do this. There are so many moments and we've written, you know, now dozens and dozens of grants and you still get rejections. It still happens. It happened yesterday where people are like, sorry, you know, it's not all easy. Um, and I don't know, how do you do it? I mean, we, I feel so fortunate. Our board of directors is amazing. We have a very authentic vibe within our team when something's feeling hard or something, we get a rejection, like a grant that we've worked on. We just take a moment to be like, that is hard. Like that hurts. It's so hard. This work is difficult sometimes. And I think giving voice to it is just the first step to being able to be like, this is it. This is how I feel today. And then allowing yourself to be surrounded by the people who are in it with you is the best, the best option for support. Wow. And did you build that over time, that support that you that support structure you have within your team? Because I think what you're saying is 
is really powerful from a culture perspective um, because a lot of nonprofits and, you know, a lot of companies still do operate from a very traditional, um, you know, mindset and approach. So how did you cultivate that within your team where you allow space for, you know, negativity or maybe something that didn't go as, you know, as planned? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that some of the structure that we've allowed for that to happen is like even at the beginning of each of our team meetings, which is every Tuesday, we do do a feelings check-in. And sometimes we get into like more like fun icebreaker questions, but then we bring it back to, okay, but how are you actually feeling mm. today? Like, and I, and I will, I will be honest with the team too. Like there's some days we all come in, I'm exhausted. I feel tired. You know, I feel completely beat down and it's okay to be in that space. And we say, that's just an acknowledgement that we know, need to know where everybody is at. So I think those little things. And also I try really hard with our team to just also tell people when I'm frustrated or tell people when I'm feeling discouraged. And that's, that's an okay thing to feel that you don't need to hide it and you'll allow other people to then support you. Well, Shannon, so what do you envision for the future of the foundation? You know, you had touched on some points uh, previous in the interview, but you know, in the next few years or next five years, what are your goals for the foundation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of the things that we already mentioned. So we have talked a lot about increasing our programs. So mental health will be a, a primary focus for us in our program space. We just know that parents are not okay. So we need to make sure that they are okay so that they can do the best they can to take care of their kids in a really challenging time. And then we need to grow just as an organization. We're still in that growing pains. We've only been op in operation and running programs since 2019. And so the most of our our organizational life has been in COVID. And so we need to continue to grow and expand in our fundraising, in our marketing. And, you know, we have some really amazing mentors, even across the country, like Kids Cancer Care Alberta is constantly showing us the way and constantly sharing with us. But you can see that they are the go-to agency in Alberta, which is what we aspire to be in British Columbia. Thanks for tuning in. Let us know what you thought about this episode by using the hashtag the root of why on Instagram. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple or Spotify and make sure you don't miss an episode. Get notified when you sign up for our mailing list at therootofwhy.com.